0: Welcome to the market call show where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple podcast, Google play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Hi everybody. Welcome to the market call show today. I have a very special guest, Paige Cornett. Her last name, you will never forget it. Mm-hmm. Pa- Paige Cornett. She has a book out, which is very interesting. It's my dad's class. An intentional structure for teaching kids about money and life. Uh, I was talking to uh, Anna, who is uh, kind of our coordinator of the podcast, and she said you have to talk to Paige because we've been talking about uh, children's education because I have twins, mm-hmm. and uh, they're 15, and it became you know a personal topic for me over the years, you know as they've been growing, and um, you know I like to hear different viewpoints and. What's interesting about Paige is Paige is not just an author, she's also been in business. I was looking over her, her bio. Uh, Paige, you, uh, you wrote the spend, spend Then series, a collection of children's books, but was, what really caught my eye was that you founded the Millennial Guru at the age of 26 to provide companies like Kroger and Capital One with business coaching and strength-based team-building workshops. I don't normally think about people being coaches or starting at such a young age uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and then moving into this field. So maybe you can give me a little bit of background, start off a little bit, like how did you get into business itself?
0: Yeah, that's a great question.
2: Um, I had a lot of different jobs growing up and I started very young. Uh, That was something that was implemented with my family. And one of kind of the dad's class lessons is to, you know, have jobs and work in different industries and kind of figure out what you don't want to do. So when I uh, moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, I worked for an accounting firm. So I had finance, you know, I had, I got my series seven. I became a financial advisor through this accounting firm, but I also attended a workshop where they brought in a speaker who did an all-day retreat for the company that was a strength finders coach. So that's kind of how my two worlds connect. Um, and I was like, I love this. I love people and I love understanding what they're good at and their talents. But so I always was like, okay, I want to help people with themselves. And Understanding you about themselves and what works for them, and how to communicate, and you know what how they how they tick, and how to place them in the right job. But then I added another layer of like yourself and your wealth. So and and because I came from a, a background of amazing financial education training, it felt very natural to me to write these financial children's books because that's what I grew up with. And so I just took what my dad passed down to me in terms of lessons and created it into a very tangible, easy, bite-sized piece for a five-year-old.
1: Wow. Okay. So that's, so there's a lot in there. I want to just kind of break this down a little bit because the first thing you mentioned was about yourself and your wealth that really hit me. Okay. So one of the things that we all have is we have our unique abilities, and where every kid is different, every person is different, and everybody thinks about money in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, when you're thinking about from a, you know, I'm, th- I'm thinking about this podcast specifically from a parent's perspective. So, how do you, when you look at your children, you see how they're different but like my twins are completely different, (laughs) (laughs) right? One boy, one girl, same age. She's like, what, why are they so different? (laughs) How do you um, actually, A, find out what those differences are and then B, um, turn that into actionable uh, strategies that's gonna allow you to do what's better for that particular child from a money perspective? Mm -hmm. I know it's a broad question, but just (laughs) just high level.
2: Yes. So I'm one of four kids. Um, so my dad had basically this exact sort of like, okay, all four of my kids learn very differently, have different strengths. Um, And so I think the biggest thing is when you're teaching your children, you know, these sort of lessons is have a lot of different ways to teach them. So it can be the same lesson, but maybe there's props with one, maybe there's songs with one. Um, Maybe there's, they're actually physically writing something down. So really engaging kind of their five senses, because as you know, kids are very different, different personalities, different learning styles, different skills. And so I think it's so important to try many different ways. Um, Cause maybe for one child, they'll be like, yep, I can hear it. And I got it. Right. And then the other child will be like, nope, I need to do a field trip. I need an ice cream cone. And I need to like, understand that, oh, I own McDonald's and wait, this ice cream cone, like, I, bu- did I buy this? Like, wait, do I get money from this? So, and that's me, in case you're wondering, that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I need the tangible, uh, physical things to help wow. me learn. So,
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. I think about how um, one of one of my children are, you know, he's, he's very, very, uh, he can think in terms of abstract concepts and um and and my daughter is not she's more like 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 you like you like you said tangible you know what what does this mean now uh to me and what's interesting about what you just said is that i I first asked you about how you got in business and i heard kind of a little bit of the story you know got your series seven and you were working for a cpa firm Mm -hmm. and then uh and that kind of transformed and then you started talking about strengths well that isn't that so true like each each one of our children need to figure out what is right for them, not just from a money standpoint, but like what is the right thing that I'm put on this earth to do like we we all have this thing that we need to be doing um and so it's a it's a discovery process for them in terms of themselves, yeah, and then also translating that into money so i'm i am i am wondering uh you know when you're when you put together your book, one of the first things that I saw I look at the. I always start with the, the, the table of contents. Mm-hmm. And you said something about saying things out loud. So oh. there's, a, there's a concept of, of, of saying things out loud in, in, in Judaism right? and, and it talks about why you should say things out loud. Yes. I'm curious as to why you, why you feel it's so important or you do, do you feel it's important to say something out loud and then what does that mean? Why is that that important?
2: Well, I would say that, you know, words are so powerful and words are energy and there is a lot of studies and correlations between when you say something out loud, your brain, you know, your neural like links think differently or form differently or change because you're saying it. So let's say, for example, you say, and this is one of my family sayings is I can do it, right? Right maybe at first you're like, I don't really believe that, that I can do it, <laughs> right? But the more you say it and the more you practice it out loud, you're like, wait, I can do this. So there's, a, there's an energy behind words. Um, and I think it is important, I mean, A lot of different religions practice mantras from Judaism to Buddhism to, you know, um, Christianity. We all say things out loud and there's a purpose and a reason behind it so that we remember there's energy. Oh, that's what we believe. Um, And so I think it's very important for children, especially to say your family values out loud. What does money mean out loud? My dad is a really great neato repeato. He he sometimes sounds like a broken record. I'm like, okay, dad, I've heard this 500 times. <laughs> but it's six. Like, it sticks with me. It's like, yes, okay, I know what you're about to just say.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes it's an irritating, okay, dad. Yeah, it's like an irritating thing. But then, in a way, you should ca- kind of count that as a win, as a victory, because that means they actually – did get it, and maybe they won't acknowledge that that was something important, but maybe hopefully, we all hope that they will actually, like, really grab onto it, right? Yes, Yes. and and, and so there's something about transforming, like, you can think something in your head, like, there's a big gap between what you understand uh, to be a good thing to do, say, for example, versus actually doing it, so, like, it's okay, like, I understand, yeah, Dad, like, I've had some things where, where... One of my children will say, yeah, I know dad, I know dad, but yet they're still not doing it. Well, (laughs) so if you say things out loud, somehow you internalize. Mm -hmm. And then once you internalize, it becomes not only a thought, but it actually transforms into an action. So because that's what you're trying to get to, you're trying to get to this action. I thought that was a very powerful concept that you have in your book. Um, which I have not really done. I've never really required or asked my kids, but not required. You can't require your kids to do anything,
0: Right.
1: but (laughs) but ask them to say something out loud. But you know what? I'm going to take that one to heart because I think that one makes a lot of sense.
0: Great. Yes.
1: Um, so I, I wanted to back up just a little bit. Why in the heck did you decide to write this book? I mean, like going, you know, being in a coaching, I mean, I understood the strength finding and all of that, but why translate it to children?
2: So as I have done work with, you know, people and understanding their talents and their strengths, as well as, you know, doing some sort of financial coaching in there as well, um, I've realized that it is so important to get people early, early on. And I thought, mm. you know, if I, can, if I can take a concept, a complicated concept such as debt, right, and I can transform it into something so simple that a child can understand it, anyone can understand it. So I thought that that was kind of the next step of, like, making it so clear, so simple. If a 5-year-old can understand it, a 90-year-old can understand it. And I thought, too you know, our next generation, it's so important to teach them. You know, Some people are like, I wish you wrote this book 35 years ago, like too late for me. You know, it's like, but it's, but that's what I wrote it because I want it for your next, the next generation, your kids and your grandkids and you know, kids, kids, kids. So, um, I just, so in thought- a way it was
1: a broader, it was a broader thing for you. Yes. You know, not just kids, but that's the great starting point for one if you start early then you have a higher chance that you'll do it because it'll become a habit two yeah. uh if it's understandable to a five-year-old it's understandable to a 50-year-old <laughs> or whatever um, yeah <laughs> that's that's okay I, that makes total sense that that i'm making the connection now i always try to understand why people do things because i think it tells you a lot about um that person and then also what where they're coming from from the book itself Cause sometimes reading the book itself won't give you all of the background or, or, or context. And I was thinking about, you were you were talking about laying down the law. Okay, so, so when I think about laying down the law, to me, it's like, okay, laying down the law is this dictator type thing. That's not what you're talking about. Can you explain laying down the law a little bit to me?
2: No, uh, laying down the law is consequences for your behavior. And this is when I was growing up how my parents handled four kids and a lot of activity and a lot of, you know, she took my shirt or, you know, she took my toy, you know, this sort of behavior that happens naturally sharing, right. Um, And how they handled it. So one of the biggest things that my parents did, which, we all laugh about now but was really annoying as a kid was they had this hard bench and they called it the repenting bench and anytime that the two whether it was me and my sister or my sister and my brother you know were fighting it was like, Both of you go to the repenting bench. So you both had to own that you were part of the problem and mom and dad were very neutral. They were like the judge. And then you were both not allowed to leave this hard bench until you negotiated with the other one. Like you had to come together. (laughs) So my sister who always was like, okay, I'm over it. Like, can we just be done? Like she was always negotiating with us to get off the bench. And then you had to explain your side. Um, and understand, you know why this this situation happened. And really, now that I'm 32, it's like, what a great way as a parent, teach your kids how to negotiate to use their communication and realize that hey guess what just because your sister hit you doesn't mean that you aren't a part of the problem too
1: (laughs) right yeah oh i could think of it that exact same example it just happened in my household uh, recently yeah it could start off by somebody who didn't hit but it maybe some there was something that was done that like provoked and and then it's like okay Um, that's a very interesting having a location a bench where you're you're talking about well the concept of repenting is a very complicated uh, 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 topic Uh, it 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 has to do with oh there was there was a great sage a long time ago in the 1500s Maimonides also known as the Rambam who talked about repenting and what are the what 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 is repenting and what does it really mean Mm-hmm. So um, it um in and, and it's it's interesting because at the very end of that concept is that you actually have to change your ways or you truly have not repented because if you just kind of acknowledge something and then you just keep doing it over and over again you really haven't repented.
2: Exactly. Um, and and actually as a kid you don't we didn't really understand that word but we under I understand like the action because at the end when you're talking to you know mom and dad you had to Say what you did. You know, how to apologize for your behalf, and then promise not to do it again, and then hug the other sibling. So, now did that happen? But
1: <laughs> that's what, the ideal model.
2: <laughs> yeah, the ideal model. You know, the concept is there. So,
1: well, hey, you know what? That's all you could do is uh, move towards progress, not perfection, right? <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're getting closer, then then that's that's really a win. So uh, that's that's really cool. Uh, I like that concept of 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 basically you know laying down the law is really about an inner thing. It's not a dictator type thing. It's like a okay, wait a minute let's let's look at ourselves and what what we are doing now. how do we relate that to money though
2: yeah so okay um now translating that to money, how are your habits what are our intentions behind the money right so are we tithing? Are we, you know, being intentional of what we're spending our money on? How are we, you know, pursuing hobbies, interests, um, maybe things that can make us money? You know, side hustle is a really big thing with my generation. You know, what what does that mean to me? Is it purposeful? Um, and so I think that by understanding and looking within, like, what are the consequences for my actions helps with money that there are consequences with how you're spending and how you're saving and what you're investing in. Um, a lot of, I have a lot of peers actually that are doing very intentional, you know, investing, and it's important that they believe in the company and the concepts and it's doing good for the world and that they know the many layers of it. They're like, I'm not just going to put my money in anything. That's like dumping toxins, you know, into the rivers and our ecosystem. I want to know like what's really happening. So, I think by, you know, laying down the law and understand like, oh, every action that I do, there's consequences to it is, is the same way with, you know, the tool money that you're using.
1: Okay. So there was a zillion things in there. I had about a hundred thousand questions while you were saying that whole thing (laughs) um, uh, or or comments, but uh, okay. So let's just talk about the big thing on this. Well, intentional connection between my today versus my tomorrow. And that's a more of a tangible thing with, with money. So uh, one of the things that children challenges children have is that they don't really understand that this money that's coming in, really there's, for most ways of thinking about money and saving and habits, there's basically three main big categories. There's the what I can spend now, and then there's the, what am I gonna save, which could be broken down into two things. One is for reserve and the other is for long-term growth. And then the third thing would be, what am I gonna do for society, charity? Mm -hmm. What is for the bigger, greater good? There's always those three things, Uh, general concepts. So, uh, but a child does not understand the difference a lot of times, they don't make that connection. So this, I think to me, this helps with the, this concept helps with helping them see the connection between my today's action and my habits today, how they affect tomorrow. I know there's um, there's some studies that show that people that can actually defer gratification tend to have higher intelligence. Um, totally. Um, and uh, and I, I do think that that in some cases, boys and girls can, uh, on average, be different. I mean, we always think boys and girls are different. But there are some differences. <laughs> um, but you know, you have to kind of, that goes to, gets down to how do I treat my children differently? Because one may see that more than the other. I know one of my children like immediately was like, save, 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 save. I started off with this, this three bucket rule that I just mentioned to you. That's kind of what I taught them when they were like, when they could speak, they started learning it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, and and but it, it kind of stuck with one. And then the other one's like, still always wants to go to that spend bucket. Uh, you know, the more the, it's like instant gratification. So, and so, and in some ways I I have to say this and I out loud, and I want to get your opinion on this. If some people, no matter what you do, you could do everything right. And they're never, they're not going to change. Right. Right. So uh, can you speak a little bit to that about letting go, or maybe just like that concept of like, I'm doing my part and then what will be, what will be.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, as as parents struggle with, oh, I'm trying to like get my children to all be great savers, right? Like that's always the one. But I think it's having an open conversation with whatever child, and maybe it's both of them, right? Just talking in general that saving and spending are not black and white, right? So you can save and be very like, Cheap with your money because you're like and and not have good habits because you're like nope I'm super focused on saving right like I'm not spending any money I just want to eat you know McDonald's cheeseburgers because they're (laughs) two dollars like (laughs) you know it it, it can snowball into that effect of okay I'm I'm a super hyper saver and then it can go the other way with I'm a super hyper spender right I just want to spend 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 my money but there's also like okay well let's talk about what this brings for you right when you spend it on let's say a new pair of jeans well are they your favorite pair of jeans do you wear them every day is that important to you like why is that important to you like what does it give you and i'm sure you've heard about um this new concept of like the the joy of things right and like things that bring Things bring us, you know, material things bring us joy. Like
1: so, Marie Kondo type thing? Yes, yes. Yeah, it, okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm a condoizer, so. <laughs> okay, so okay. you understand, exactly. So, but okay, but not everything brings us joy, right? So um, having that conversation with spending the money and think it's like, it's the intentionality before you just like spend all the money right like is it going out to movies with friends or doing things where it's social or is it educational purposes or experiences and have kind of breaking that down i think with the children can be impactful and i know i'm i'm saying a long way to get back to your question of letting go, no, <laughs> I, no,
1: go
2: yeah on. i think that you know by observing that. And and you could even use yourself as an example too, right? Of, oh, hey, I spent money on this or I saved money on this. Um, helps teach them of like, again, the impact and the energy. Like we said, words have energy. Well, money as a tool has energy too. And so being intentional with that can make a huge difference. I think of like, oh, wait, before I spend my money on this thing, like, let me think about it just for like a second, right? Okay. do Is that important to me? Does that is this in my intentionality bucket of, of spending things? Like for me, education experiences are like number one for my spending bucket. For my husband, food is number one. Like he's like a fine dining. I love it. I don't really, I'm like, okay, that's nice. But like, nope, that's number one for him. So understanding like what we're willing to spend our money on is... Is nice. <laughs> yeah, because
1: then it starts boiling down to values.
2: So exactly. It
1: always boils down to that. And what are what are your values? And there, I they almost feel like. Um, what do you think about the concept of kids actually going ahead and? doing things that maybe were not smart and then they learned why that wasn't. Like 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 there's this uh gratification that you might get from buying a particular thing, but it was such a short term gratification that like it wasn't worth it. Like at some point they gotta learn that, right? Mm-hmm. And um some people naturally know it, but then others it takes them time to figure that out. Totally it's gotta
2: it's touch almost like fire to understand it's hot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So um Yeah. And then, well, you said that before you spend to think about it. So, okay. It's just like losing weight before I eat that cookie, you know, think about it. So there is a hedonistic money hedonistic. I mean, maybe that's not the right word, (laughs) but you you know what I mean with money? Um, And, uh, and and some of that is conditioning. Yes. Um, So, you know, how do you, how do you get that, that, how do you get, children to kind of change their conditioning. What if they start off and on the wrong foot and then let's say you're a parent and you know, you're just now starting to do this, uh, work with your children about money. Because a lot of people frankly don't even talk about money at all with their, their, their kids until they're much later on the line. What what would you tell somebody who's in that scenario where they really haven't really had a lot of conversations about money with their kids, but now they need to? And let's say they're in junior high or high school, something like that, and they really should have maybe didn't lay some foundation early on.
2: Yeah, well, they still did, just not maybe intentionally, right? So oh, well, that's, that's a good point. your kids your kids still observe you, you know, in your habits um, and and pick up what you put down, even if you didn't want them to. Ah. Um, So I think, I think that by, let's say they are, you know, in high school, like, or eighth grade, um, giving them the freedom of the money, right? So, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of parents give their kids allowance, but being intentional with it. So, okay, every month you're going to get, let's say it's like $200, right? I'm just throwing out a number right there. Um, where before you're just, they're asked, they ask for money and then you give it to them. Right. So it's like, nope, here's your $200. You can spend it on whatever you want, but you need to think about it. Right. Do you have a car? Are you 16? You know, do you have to pay for gas? (laughs) Gas is really expensive right now. Um, you know, do you want to do things with your friends? How much does that cost? Do you want to have snacks after school or, you know, during school, how much does that cost? So I think you can still really have these amazing conversations with your kids, even if they're older, um, of, of intentionality of like, okay, you're in charge of this money and even better because when they leave your house, you know, they're going to do it anyway. So why not be a part of that learning experience for them and give the power to them. And like you said, well, they have to spend things and learn like, ooh, I blew all my $200 and now I have no money for gas and now I need to, you know, ask for it. Um, but wouldn't you rather them do it in your household first so that they learn and you can have those kind of in-depth conversations like, what did we learn? <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. okay, next time, you know, or how much do you need, right? Maybe they set the budget. <laughs> Maybe <That's>, not, but... <laughs> that's,
1: that's, no, that's really interesting because having a set dollar amount um, as an allowance, if you will, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if you're just, then you get into an accounting game. If you have multiple kids, it's like, well, I, you, I went to Lulu lemon and got this and you gave her X amount. And then, well, you bought a new drum set. So, whoa, that's you know, how many Lulu pants is equal to one drum set. You know, uh, you know, which is, I'm just, I'm using a real example, by the way, of my household. So, uh, and that that makes a lot of sense, you know, when I grew up as a kid, and this boils down to how you grew up, you talked about your dad, how you grew up, um, it, it was a personal responsibility thing when I was a kid, my mm-hmm. mom was very strong on that, so I mean I started working really young, I was earning my own money really young, there was no allowance for me, I, for me it was like you go to work, you earn, and that's your allowance, yeah. so that's how I learned. Um, and so I, you know, had my first job at fifty. I mean, my, my first like W2 job, I was making money the first time I actually made money. And this sounds kind of weird when I say it out loud, but I was like five or six, I was helping ladies, um, move their, uh, take the gro- older ladies, take their groceries to their car and they would give me like a nickel or something. And I used that to buy toys. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, um, that's kind of my background. Now I superimpose that on my children. Now, we're much more well-off than, than, than I was as a kid growing up in South Chicago, okay? So, uh, you know, uh, so, I you mean, know, the kids around here drive, all, you know, Teslas and BMWs where I live. So, which is, like, not cool. You know, for me, it's almost, like, scary, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, I think what you're really showing me is that your, your personal background is going to always be like you said shown to 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 your children if you don't make if you're not intentional. Yes. So first step is get intentional. So pick up the book, read the book. Get some ideas on how you can become intentional with your money. That was really that was helpful. Uh, all right, I want to talk about this bank thing. The, the, oh
2: yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay, the the you can't forget it National Bank.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: tell me, tell me a little bit about that concept of of a family bank or uh, you know how that works.
2: Yeah, so my dad this was an amazing concept that he came up with. Um and we talk about you know the kids doing the personal having the personal responsibility and having that tactile right very hands on. So when we I think I was like 5 when we started this concept. Every Saturday you'd get however old you were money. So five, $5. And you would get the money and put it in. It was just a Tupperware with my name, you know, pages bank on it, but I could see visually the money grow. And then we had a ledger. And I think when I was five, six, you know, you can count, right. You can add, subtract. You can't divide or multiply but okay add f- five plus five equals ten dollars $10. so then you know as we're building and adding to this bank concept and again you're the kid so you're the one that's getting the money so you're earning money and then you're adding it to it so you're seeing wow it's like really adding up quickly and then my dad introduced um as we got older, which I really wish I could invest in this bank now, ten uh, percent every quarter. So we, yes. were, yeah, which is me. me up. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, "How do I invest in the Cornada National Bank? Um, I'll put my money there." <laughs> yeah. um, and so, as a kid, we realized, like, "Oh wow, saving our money." is amazing because there's rewards from it. Now, is that necessarily today? No, not necessarily, but the concept is there that maybe, okay, so maybe we're not saving our money, but we're investing it. We're putting it into something that is giving us a bigger return. Um, we did this all the way up until I left for uh, college, which was amazing. And that's also where we could spend. Wow money too. So if it's like, Oh, I want, you know, a new stuffed animal. Well, guess what? You got to wait till Saturday. You got to pull out the money. You got to subtract the number. Oh, that like really hurts. And also too, you're kind of comparing with your siblings too. Like, well, how much money do they have now? It wasn't fair, right? I'm the oldest. So if when I was seven, I got $7. My sister was five, she got $5. So it wasn't always fair, but it was still the concept of like, as you get older, you know you're earning more, um, and there's more responsibility with that. We could also um, bid for jobs. Like we were able, of course, to ask my parents, like, "Hey, how can we, you know, make more money to put into our bank?" So. It was just an amazing concept for us to take charge of our own money. And when we were teenagers and we opened up our first bank account, it's like, I got this. Like, yeah. I know exactly what this is. So the well,
1: <laughs> it's a controlled environment that was was put in place. That's kind of a quasi real economy. So yes. uh, yeah, so it's like, here's, here's the family economy mm-hmm. and, and here's your, you know, you're basically learning in a, in a, in a laboratory, a family laboratory, <laughs> uh, economic family laboratory, and you kind of get it from there. So then when you get the real money, so, uh, you know, I have to say, I, I've been like, throw them in it. It's like, here, guys here's 5,000, we're going to buy stocks, you guys are going to each pick 10, here's the ones you can buy, you have so many in certain sectors, that's kind of how I went about it, you know, I just get them to put real money in, see Mm -hmm. it rise, see it fall, and, and, but I think I would have been better off starting younger and saying, hey, you know, maybe learning some of these addition and subtractions in a controlled environment where you're always having a win, because uh, I kind of threw them into the fire, right, it's like, Stocks move up, stocks move down. Yes, Target does well, you like Target, but guess what? The stock still goes down sometimes. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, same thing with Starbucks or whatever. Uh, whereas at least in a controlled environment, then they're always getting a win and they're always getting a positive feeling about money. Mm-hmm. Because you may, you may not be able to, to, to deal with ups and downs when you're that young. Right. You need to have positives. So uh, that I, if I could turn back time, I would have done that. So uh, w- I, kept, I kept things with mostly just savings with my kids, mm-hmm. you know, just like so the, the three buckets. Yep. You know, this is what we're doing. And then and then a switch came on. I said, okay, you're old enough to understand risk. And here's mm-hmm. some money and let's open up some accounts. Here's your brokerage accounts and let's buy some stocks. And here, I'm gonna give you guardrails. Here are, the, here are the sectors that you need to have a certain amount in each one. And here are the stocks you can choose from, but you can mm-hmm. choose and then you get to watch them and track them. And then it's erased, ooh, you know, LJ's doing better than Lisa, or Lisa, Lisa's doing better than LJ, uh, or whatever. Exactly. And um, so, so this is a really, really good, because um, one of the things that's different, I think, between your philosophy, which I'm really getting value from, is that the controlled environment of, of uh, instead of being more, I'm a numbers guy, you know, mm-hmm. chartered financial analyst, you know, <laughs> I mean, So, um, you know, I I kind of put things in black and white where you're thinking about from the human aspect of more than more so, which is really, really important because this is a human thing. It's about it's about habits and create, you know, doing the right thing. And not everybody is as rational as another person. We all have this emotional side to us that we have to deal with.
2: Exactly. And as you know, kids are different. Right. So everyone experiences it differently.
1: Yeah, and this hard you you were you talk about in your chapter seven hard structured meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't want to give away everything about your book, obviously, because we want people to go out and buy it um, and pick it up. But um, uh, tell me a little bit about meetings, the Mm -hmm. structured meeting, if you don't mind.
2: Of course. So as we got older, it was very important. Again, my dad was very hands-on. He always was inclusive with us. We were always participating. And so as we got older, it was vital for him to bring us young girls. I think I was 12. My sister was 10 to these hard structures, what we call it meetings, which is the accountant, the banker, the lawyer, uh, financial advisor, and sit in the room and Hear what's going on. Now we didn't understand anything. <laughs> like, it was like they're speaking an alien language. I mean, and somehow Dad's communicating with this other human. Um, but we, the intimidation, got we got through that. And and now I'm 32. My sister's 30 and we're both running our own companies and we're both doing this exact same thing with meeting with the insurance the accountant the banker but we can lead the meetings and we don't feel like ooh i can't ask that question or i don't know that thing no what does that mean you know so we've done it for so many years that we've always been because we've been introduced to it and so i think it's important to bring your children to these meetings so that they understand oh this is what tax is or oh this is what we do and this is why having this person these you know professional services um are really important to what age so i was 12 when i went to these um you can bring them i mean as as Wow,
1: you want, you know? Yeah, you know, you know, uh, most people do not do it at that age. Here's what most people do. Most people go, oh my gosh, my kids are going off to college. Uh, you know, and I've been, here's my financial advisory firm. Here, have a meeting with my financial advisor for just before <laughs> they go off to college. That is the standard way that it's done. So, but if you learn, uh, to talk about money, or that it's okay to talk about money, you're comfortable talking about money with these pros. First of all, you get the idea that a, I don't necessarily maybe want to do it all myself. I want to seek experts, and yeah. that goes for anything, whether you're building a house or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, shortcutting. Uh, and secondly, it's you know talking about money is 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 easy, is something you need to do, and it's okay. I'm comfortable with it, uh, rather than money being some kind of a hidden thing. Uh, we don't talk about money. Um,
2: Totally. And on top of that too, I think it was really important. I mean, my dad was so forward thinking of like the relationships that you build with these professional service people, you know, that Hey, listen, this guy who, you know, my dad, when I was 12 was, you know, 35, the, our financial advisor was 60, right? He's going to retire. So you girls need to think about, well, who are going to be yours? Like, they're not necessarily going to be dad's, you know, advisors, right? You're going to form your own team of advisors that are going to give you great advice and help you be successful in whatever, whatever that means. Um, And so, it was amazing. I mean, we didn't like it. Don't get me wrong. We did not like it. We had to dress up. We were like, "Oh, this is oh, awesome. wow." <laughs> like, you know, wear like suit, like you know, church, our church vest. You know, it was like, "Oh," <laughs> and then sit in this room, and we, it was awkward. and we get okay? So
1: I, I have to. In the back of my mind, I know that a lot of people are probably thinking, "Okay, you know, Dad did a lot of cool things, right?" Mm-hmm. So what? In the, tell, let's talk a little bit about your dad. What can you tell us about your dad? About what? kind of shaped him so that he would have the foresight to teach you these things.
2: That is a great question. So, um, you know, I talk about like my values and generations and very legacy pieces. So he, when he was 15, got letters from his grandfather who started our family business. So we're four generations deep with our family business. So not only did he have this amazing mentorship with his grandfather of picking individual stocks, running a company, understanding your personal relationships, but then also his father as well stepped into the family business. So my dad had this amazing upbringing of sitting at the boys table. Now he was probably like 20 sitting with like 80 year olds, you know, at lunchtime. And they're all talking about these things, but talk about the information and just like the life experience that he got. And so since he had that, I think he was always like, why my children need to be a part of this too, because you know, I got all of this amazing experience and life experience and listening to my, you know, seniors and understanding like, wow, I've heard all these stories before. And when, when the market crashes, well, I kind of understand because I've heard all these stories before, right. you know. Um, and so I think because of that, that really shaped his, his direction of and the type of father that he wanted to be.
1: Well, the first thing that that, co- that strikes me is that, you know talking to lots of different people who have family businesses, I would say well over half of family business owners, their kids don't want to have anything to do with the family business. <laughs> yes. So why is that, that your family were, were, were able to do that, to actually bring each other in, each generation in? <sighs> um,
2: that's a great question. I think it's because we just were, it was always open to us. Um, and we were we were our participants versus, Oh, dad runs the business or mom runs the business. And like, that's what they do. And like, they are very hands off and we don't even know what they do exactly. Um, and to be proud of our parents, you know, it's kind of, but we were always a part of those conversations, um, and so I think it was just—it was very natural for the evolution of like, oh well, I love it too, right? My sister runs our family business right now, and she's like, well, I love this. Like,
1: what what kind of business is it? If you don't mind me asking.
2: Yeah, textiles. So we're we're a fabric distributor in North Carolina. Yeah. Got it. Yeah,
1: very very interesting. Well, I, that that just seems to be the the uh, kind of the norm. I mean, I. In my family, on my father's side, we have a family business that's very successful. That it, there, there has been, you know, family members involved. But at each generation, it gets tougher. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and it also depends. And some 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 types of businesses are easier to corral people into. Some businesses are harder. So it just depends on what it is. But uh, that's a really good, you know, having a family business is important. Which leads me to another thing, which is a little bit off topic, but in my mind, not off topic. You know, off, off topic. So, um, I've been, uh, I've done some teaching at uh, the high school that my kids go to, uh, they teach financial literacy and um, and I've gone in as a guest speaker to kind of add some, you know, different perspective from what they're learning. First of all, a lot of, a lot of kids are not getting uh, financial literacy classes. We're really lucky in the school district that we're in, We get they get a really, really good financial literacy program. Um, but a lot of people don't. Um, but one of the things I've noticed is that just in, there's waves in society that, that, you know, ebb and flow ways of thinking. And right now there's a lot of younger people that are anti-capitalism, anti-business, anti, anti, uh, uh, being able to, uh, seeing win-win from business. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like business is greedy, therefore bad. Um, at versus like uh, kind of when I grew up, it was more of like businesses win-win because we create something and we create value for a lot of people and those people uh, benefit from our services. Like for example, Microsoft created, created Windows, which millions of people have benefited from and it creates wealth and it's a win-win and everybody, there's a bigger pie. It's not scarcity, it's expansion. Where, but whereas now I feel like a lot of the kids are starting to, it's a, it's a society thing. They're right. starting to have this feeling like it's its 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 not expansive, it's actually a, a fixed pie and business is bad, those evil energy companies or those evil, you know what I'm saying? I'm just using really? that as an example. So really? um, I, I, I don't, I think that's actually, I'm gonna be a little opinionated here, I think that's actually very bad and um could could hurt us so speak to that if you would Anyway, you could you could say i disagree with you or whatever but (laughs) i've just noticed that trend in talking to kids Mm -hmm. today
2: that's that's really interesting because i've seen it too and it's not just kids right it's like my generation as well like we're gonna boycott this company because they do this and it's like oh man um I'm trying to.
1: Without getting political, right? I know. So, that's-, so I, <laughs> that's the thing. Everybody gets all worried. Uh, but, yeah. but, but at some point you have to say, okay, what do I believe is true?
2: Right. Right. And what are they providing, you know, what are they providing for, right? You know, what are these companies and businesses providing for, for people? Um, I think what has happened is just and it's always the big, right? They always talk about the big. They're not talking about the small, local mm. business owners. Um, and I think it's really easy to pinpoint or target uh, a large company um, for one thing that they're doing and you know, focus on that versus seeing the bigger picture. I think that that is like the, nowadays it's like, just we're gonna focus on this one thing that they do or don't do and they're out, right? And so I think it's important to, like, as you're talking to your children about it, like, well, what do they do, right? It's bigger than just this one thing that they said or didn't say or did participate in or didn't participate. Now, granted, yes, if it's an energy company and they're dumping a lot of oil into the ocean, probably a bad thing, right? Yep, that's Mm -hmm. really bad. Um, But, you know, if it's just, if it's a, it's a a local grocery store, you know, that's like providing for the people in the pandemic, you know, that can't get access to food. What a great thing. Um, And so I just, I think it has been very narrow, like the state of the world right now, especially with the, with my generation and the younger generation, is just hyper-focused on like the details versus the bigger picture. So that's, that's
1: a I- really good point uh, they the hyper-focus on the details without connecting the bigger picture. because there's good with bad, right? There's good with bad. So, uh, for example, I'll just use an example. Um, uh, it's actually, uh, the way of thinking is actually inconsistent and actually illogical and r- in my opinion, wrong. Uh, for example, um, I'll just pick on Tesla, uh, five years ago, everybody was saying, Oh my gosh, Elon Musk. Amazing. What a great smart guy! He's a genius. Look at all these great things. (laughs) The Tesla is beyond. Oh my gosh! I love my Tesla. Right. It's great. Uh, And then, um, then, all you know, you see some changes in how he's doing things because it actually wasn't really a change. If you knew who he was, you would know that there were some things that you know. Basically, his belief system is like trying to help. So, and then it's like, oh, now we're we're constraining uh tesla right to do (laughs) do those things that are good um and then it's like oh now he's evil (laughs) so i think this is the kind of thing that i think um that young people in every generation has to deal with this we dealt with it when i was a kid Uh, my mom's generation dealt with it um you know my mom i was born in 65 my Mm -hmm. mom was uh you know she grew up with, with with women's Rights was really big, and uh, you know, I lived in South Chicago. That was, that's where all the strife was happening. Yeah. You know, uh, racism and all of that. Um, and and so, it, it, it each generation has something to deal with. I think the current generation, my kids, not mm-hmm. not really the millennials. Millennials are in a different position. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're 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 empowered. They have the capability to kind of fix some of this stuff that's going on.
0: Yes. I really
1: think they, I really think they can do it. I think, I think they're really smart, like all generations really are. And um, we all think we're different, but we're kind of not, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I really think that, that, that some of the stuff that we're going through right now, cause things go in waves this, um, I, and the reason why I bring this up because it's so important in terms of how people conduct their habits, mm-hmm. their money habits. Cause if we have this set of belief that says, uh, you know, why save? I mean, you know, a lot of people don't even realize, oh, do you have a 401k? Oh, that, that money that you have in that 401k, that's equity. And you know what equity is? It's capital. Oh, that's capitalism. Holy what? I don't believe in that. <laughs> uh, well, you better start believing in it if you have the 401k. So, uh, so, so I think we all need to understand we're all in this together and that cap and that, that there's both good and bad in every system.
2: Yes. And, and not uh, everything's black and white, like not everything's yes. black and white. I think that's, it's, be, it's become so like that and just focusing on that one thing versus like, whoa, 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 like let's, let's look at, you know, bigger, bigger picture, bigger picture. And, um, and sometimes it's just a phase, right. Or just a trend too. So,
1: yes. And I think it might, maybe it is a phase, maybe, maybe some, some people in your generation, I don't know. I, I don't feel like we're that far off in generation, even though we are, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I think it's, it's all coming together. I, I think it's a matter of we all you know we all start from ground zero and from our experiences and whatever they always say, whatever was happening in your world when you were growing up will will, will impact how you you believe, right? Like so like when yes. you grew up, there was a set of di- different set of circumstances than when I was. When I grew up, uh, when I was in high school, uh, we had massive inflation. What's happening right now? We had when I was mm-hmm. a little kid. And, and and well, a variation of it, and it shaped a lot of a lot of things. And then we made some changes, and then we went into this massive, rapid innovation, massive explosion in the '80s, which I was a benefit from, you know, that I benefited benefited from. Uh, and then and then I saw, you know, so basically the dot com bubble and all that. I've been investing for you know for managing money for people for 27 years. So, you know, I you see lots of different cycles. So I have a different perspective. When I look at the young people today, I think that okay, they haven't learned that yet. Like like right now, a lot of people are just now hitting their first bear market. It's like oh, this is normal. This is this you know? Oh, I've seen this before. Uh, and and um, anyhow, sorry, I've been talking way too much. But I, I the reason why I bring this up with you with you is because I wanted to hear your perspective about habits. Like how can we how can we help our kids buck the trend from what everybody is telling them and then focusing in on what is right with their money?
2: Yes. uh, (laughs) Yeah. First of all, read my book. I have a lot of information on how, you know, to create great habits uh, as as a child. Um, And then on top of that, I just really think the parents role in it is so vital of just having these open conversations and vulnerability of like, maybe your habits, right? And what does that look like so that they can learn through stories and sharing and then on top of that is letting them create their own habits, right? Giving them the money, the tools, like allowing them to participate and spend the money if they want to spend it on, you know, the drum set or the Lululemon pants, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) let them do it because they'll learn, you know, Oh wait, that was maybe an instant gratification or Hey, actually, maybe it was a long-term thing for me. So I think that by having open conversations and allowing the children, your, your children to participate and try, um, makes a big difference because when you earn the money or you save the money, it's a different t- self empowerment than it is when it's gifted to you.
1: Very good. That's a good place to, to end. I tell you, um, pick up the book, My Dad's Class. And, uh, you know, uh, go ahead and pick it up, And especially if you have kids that you're trying to teach or if you have uh, your children are having children and you want to pass that message on. Uh, Paige, is there anywhere that you would like us to send people to learn more about your work, any website or anything else that you want?
2: Yep. So mydadsclass.com is where you can find more information about me and where to contact me as well as how to purchase the book.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Paige. It was
2: great having you on. Thank you. Really appreciate it.
0: For the latest episode of the Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoy the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.